In this episode, Ken Schumann, maker of the Faith Walkers, reflect on when Jesus selected the disciples. What was Jesus thinking? The focus scripture is from Mark 3, 13-19. This conversation was recorded in August of 2023. Our mission is to make all this possible for individuals, communities, and the world. To learn more about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. Join the conversation. I just want to encourage you always uh, because I want to I want to look at the text with fresh eyes and and wonder yeah what what surprises me about this so today we're in chapter three and we're going to look at a section of scripture where Jesus actually uh, selects the twelve disciples and uh, it, it begins in verse thirteen and it's going to go through I think uh, verse nineteen. So let me just read it for you, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight it. I've, I've got more, a, a lot of things I could say about it, but Jesus called together a select group of his followers, and he led them up the mountain. And on the mountain, he commissioned them, the twelve. Later, he called them his emissaries or his disciples or his uh, missionaries. And and here, listen to this. He wanted them to be with him. And then he sent them out to spread the good news and to cast out evil spirits and heal diseases. And here are the names of the original 12. There was Simon, who Jesus called Peter, which means the rock. And James and John, who were the sons of Zebedee, who Jesus called the sons of thunder, and A. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, who was a tax collector, whose name, uh, who was also called Levi, Thomas, another James, who is the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon of Cana, Canaan, who was also called the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who one day would betray Jesus to the authorities in Jerusalem. And that was the 12. Ken, I have many questions. Well, we'll get to those in a minute. Let me talk first, okay? Thank you, though. Write those down. Why 12? There's a lot of answers we could give to that, probably uh, more than likely because there were the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's one disciple for every tribe, uh, but we don't know for sure because he doesn't tell us. Uh, why all men? I don't know. Uh, because he had many women who also were his followers. And in fact, the, the scripture tells us in Acts, I forget the chapter, I think it's eight. Uh, that that the women, uh, many of the women were actually business women who who actually funded the ministry. Uh, so I, I don't know, but probably uh, why no women? Probably because of tradition um, of the, of the day. Uh, notice though what what he called them to. 
He called them to two things. He called them to be with him first. Uh, he called them into community. In faith walking, we talk about uh, the way we describe our mental model of discipleship. Uh, and if you've gone through any of the faith walking courses, always in the intro, we talk about the mental model of discipleship includes three components, community, alignment, and reflection. Those are the three components. Uh, so we get those from Jesus and and we, we, we began to look at, okay, how did Jesus make disciples? And what did Jesus do? And what, what we found and what we believe is those three components. So first of all, he invited them to be with him. So notice, disciples, I believe, are best made when they rub shoulders with other human beings. Because it's, it's in rubbing shoulders with other human beings that our own brokenness rises to the surface. I know you've noticed this, so I, I want to just highlight it. Notice that there are people that you like and there are people you don't like. There are people that annoy you and people that don't annoy you. And, and here's the point I want to make. And Jesus invited some of all of them into his, his community. He invited disciples to be in community with people they didn't like. So here's a prime example, and you've heard this before. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. He worked for the government. And Simon the, the zealot was a nationalist who was anti-government. So can you imagine a progressive-leaning government employee and a conservative, hardline, right-wing, gun-toting nationalist? And both of them got invited to be disciples, part of the 12. You think, you know, I want to say, what in the world was Jesus thinking? And, and yet, group, here's the challenge. Jesus was, was making disciples, forming people in, as, a, as his apprentices. And he said, in order to do that, you're going to have to tolerate some people you don't care for. You're going to have to learn to get along. You're, go, you're going to have to learn. I, I think, I think what, using faith walking language, what it, I'm getting feedback from somebody. Courtney, I don't think you're muted. That's all right. Um, uh, I, I think what it, what, you know, if we were, if Jesus was using faith walking, uh, as his schematic, like we are, uh, he would say, uh, yeah, you're going to have to learn to manage your anxiety when other people get on your nerves. You're going to have to learn to manage your anxiety when other people's belief system is really different than yours, even, even if they claim to be followers of Jesus and, they're really, and their belief system is really different than yours. And I want to cry out and say, no, Lord, that can't be true. It's got to be people that see it just the way I do. In faith walking, we, we talk about the value of diversity. 
And I, I think the calling of the 12 is a key example of that. Uh, the, these people were just so very different. Uh, when, when you think about, there were four of them that were fishermen. And in, in doing a little background study, here, here's what, what I've learned about the fishermen of the day. I think in terms of, okay, these were guys and they, they had their own boats and they had their own equipment and they were kind of middle-class business owners. They were not. Here's the best way for me in my image to, to describe uh, who they were, I think. Uh, there were four of them who were Hispanic day laborers. That's more in line with who they were. So Jesus had a tax collector, and he had a nationalist, and he had four Hispanic day laborers. Well, that's quite a mix already, right? <laughs> and and then here's the other interesting thing. And then about six of these guys have no story whatsoever. We don't know anything about them. We don't know who they are, where they came from. Why did he pick them? But he, but he picked no names, people without reputation, people without titles, people without uh, a lot of things, just normal, ordinary people. So he invited them to be with him. And I want to come back to this idea Disciples are formed in community, and we're formed in community when we're challenged to rub shoulders with people that are different than us. And I just don't think we can get around it. And yet, what we tend to do is huddle with people that are just like us. So Jesus gave them two things. He sent them then. So they were in community, and then he sent them. And he sent them with two things. And the two things were he sent them with the good news of the, of the gospel. And we're going to talk about that next week. So uh, let me give you just a little, little primer. Uh, if you, if, so I've done this experiment. I've hung out with seminary presidents, people who teach theology. And I always ask one question. What do you believe the gospel is? And every time I ask the question, I get a different answer. If you ask four Christians from four different congregations, what's the gospel? Unless they come from a similar tradition, they're probably going to give you a different answer. So next week, we'll talk about that. What is the gospel? Okay. But Jesus sent them with the gospel, and then he sent them also uh, with this authority, and, and the text says to cast out demons. And, and then it, it might have been added later, but the idea, and heal the sick. So y'all y'all know, uh, because I'm a confessed word nerd, I had to do word, word studies there. I had to go do the word studies from the Greek. So the word power in this place, Judith, is not the word, it's not the word dunamis. It's, it's the word exousin, which means authority. He gave them authority. And what's fascinating is that, the, the, that one of the questions that the scribes and Pharisees kept asking Jesus was, who gave you the authority? 
it, you know, it, so so th that's what they kept at asking him. And, and yet then he, when he made disciples, gave his disciples the authority, uh, which which means this. It, it carries the idea of ability and strength. He gave them the authority and the ability and the strength to Greek word therapuo. Therapuo. Well, think about the first part of that word. What does that sound like? Therapy. He gave them power for therapy to heal. Uh, the, the word means an attendant who treats, cures, and heals. Sounds like what you are, Sarah Jeannie. Being a, a, being a doctor, that's what you do. You, you're an attendant who treats, cures, and heals. So he gave them authority, strength, power to heal. Uh, sicknesses. The Greek word is nasos, which just means disease. He gave them the, the, the power, the authority, the ability to heal disease and to cast out demons. The idea of demons always fascinates me, confuses me, and makes me scratch my head, to be honest with you, folks. Uh, so, cast out is the idea of throwing somebody out of the building or throwing them out of the room. And the word for demons here is daimonion. And I'm going I'm to just give you the, the dictionary definition. D the daimonion were spiritual agents that disseminate errors. Spiritual agents that disseminate errors. They confuse people. They give them false information. Man, that's pretty powerful when you think of that. Think of it that way, isn't it? So Jesus sent the disciples out. He sent them out with the good news, the gospel, and he sent them out with this power, the the ability to be attendants who help treat diseases and to cast out these agents that are disseminating error so you know i'm you, you if you know me you know i'm going to go here so i put all that together and here's where i go judith the disciples were sent out with the power to restore wholeness to people's lives both spiritually and physically and that's our mission as descendants of those disciples as we are followers of Jesus. We're sent out with the good news. And we're sent out with this capacity to help people, people be restored to wholeness in whatever broken places are in their life. And, and, to, and to come against those that disseminate error, that lead people astray. I believe that's the work we do in faith walking. I believe that we are partnering with God to help people be restored to wholeness in a dimension of their life. And I think we're also called to stand against error. To say, you know, you know what, you're you're believing 
stuff that just isn't true. You're chasing, you're making stories up in your head. You're believing stories that somebody else has made up in their head, in their head. And that's what the disciples were and, and did. And while you're doing all those wonderful things, you're in community with a group of people, some of whom are going to be really different. And I want you to all follow me because that's what it means to be a disciple. I think those are my thoughts today. So what, what does that stir up for you? Does it raise questions for you? Um, comments? So many questions again, but I will one at a time. I get through the first one, which is my Bible translation, which is New International Version, says that apostle means unclean. Apostle means unclean? Yeah, that sounds weird, right? No, that's that's a you got something wrong. Okay, because it says apostle and it goes and it's several places in this Greek unclean. Also in verse thirty, unclean. She might be reading apostate, not apostle. Oh, are oh, you okay. in Mark three verse five? Uh, I, uh, well, verse. This is that is actually verse eleven where it says apostle. Yeah. And and then there's a little note that says Greek unclean. See also verse 30, and then you go to verse 30, and it says he said this because yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think that little note is connected to apostle. Okay. I think I think you're uh, yeah, <laughs> I think you're misconnecting that that word, Gene. Good. I mean because uh, I was Yeah. Thanks. All right. Somebody else, your question. Let's let's make sure everybody gets to ask one. Sarah Janie. You know, I just was thinking that they were to, um, you know, uh, put out clean, unclean spirits, which were which disseminate error. And I started to think, like, how does it compare with different strongholds in our soul? Because we do have those errors of reasoning and we are to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I know, I'm sure God's put out a lot of junk out of me over the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, how how would you, what, what I'm interested in hearing your comments of how you look at yeah. strongholds versus this. Yeah, uh, Sarah Jeannie, uh, that's a great connect. So let's, let's put it in, in, in faith walking language. Our, our vows are strongholds. They are errors. They're false thinking. Okay. I, I, I must protect myself in this way. Our shame is, is uh, strongholds in our life. And I think Jesus wants, wants to help us get freedom from those places that are strongholds in our life. And, and he wants to help us not perpetuate that false thinking that that keeps us trapped. Uh, it also then takes me to the word repentance again. The word repent means to change the way you think and then reorder your life in a new way. Okay. So, uh, being able to become aware of what my false thinking is around my vows and my shame and the other wounds of my past and get freedom from those things is a form of repentance. 
I'm repenting from those things. I'm changing. I'm, you know what? I'm not going to believe that lie any longer, and I'm going to reorder my life in this new way that is more fully alive. Does that help? Or I'm not sure why you keep calling on me, Ken. Do I have a puzzled look on my face? Judith, I'm calling on you because I always call on you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I just want to hear what you're thinking. Well, I'm I'm fascinated um, and, and taking this in um, because part of it is that I have been going the last couple of weeks to a Bible study on Wednesday evenings with my um, very close friend, Daniel, and they're looking at Mark. And this was the passage we looked at this week. And we talked about demons. And now I have some answers to give him on from this perspective because we we realized that we weren't sure what to do with it yeah um, so that this is very helpful thank you thank you what, what are you going to say judith i want to know i think what i'm going to to talk about is is that idea of strongholds and and the false the lies that we've been telling ourselves um and that, and that have definitely affected the way we, we have lived. Yeah. And I, I don't want to oversimplify. And I, I don't I don't know what to believe about demons. Okay. I, I, I just don't know what to believe about that. Um, and, and I don't want anybody to hear me saying, I don't believe there could be a spiritual realm that's demonic. But having said all that, I also want to believe in a real practical sense that our, our woundedness, our vows and our shame, just simply, that's shorthand, mm -hmm. uh, demonize our lives. They, they lead us into error. They demonize us and they, and they make us less fully alive. So imagine just through the lens of faith walking, and I realize this is a bias. I just I want to acknowledge my own bias. But but imagine if Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to go and I want you to help them get liberated from the things demonizing them. And those things that are demonizing them are all the false beliefs they have deep within themselves about what it, how to keep safe and how and 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 it's robbing them of the fully alive life. And I've come to give people the fully alive life. And so you have authority to help people see their their the things demonize them and get released from that. Well, that makes sense to me, and I can get my head around that. I'm not I'm not uh, implying that's the only thing, but that's something. And I think that's something. Okay, I can feel called to that and feel sent to help people with that. What are you thinking, Trish? I'm, I'm tracking with you, but um, in that context, one of the biggest vows that I've had that has underlined like everything is that um, I'm not wanted. I'm not, um, well, I'm not wanted. And that's a whole multitude of vows came out of that. But what I love about this passage is that um, he called those whom he desired that he wanted them to be with him. It wasn't that he had to take them. It wasn't that he had to like, okay, you know, reluctantly, come on, you know, I got to teach y'all a few things that he wanted to be with them, just like he wants to be mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I, I love that. And that was, that's been something I continue to walk into and um, 
just that he wants to be with me and he wants to draw me closer. Uh -huh. He wants to be with every one of y'all on this call and he wants to draw y'all closer. Um, so that's kind of what's going through my mind right now. Yeah, good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Cordy, what's stirring in that brain of yours? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I always, I always appreciate the, the way that you kind of, um, break out sort of, you know, us looking at scripture and, and, and kind of pulling out things that, you know, maybe we've glossed over or, um, you know, or forgotten to, to look at in the past. So I guess, I guess what stirred up for me is sort of that, that initial description of, of just the fact that you had disciples that very easily could be very at each other's throats or in in very big disagreements with each other and yeah i yeah. think i think that's um i mean just hmm. such a just yeah it's it's just so helpful in, in reframing kind of especially now that i'm in dc um you know just reframing that yeah. that we don't we don't really know who who <laughs> who's going to be up in heaven i mean and who's who's really you know i mean based on people's views and whatnot so I think that's always is just it's nice to to be regrounded in in that that perspective that that Jesus very carefully chose you know the the twelve that he specifically referenced and and that that he was not in the business of finding people that looked like him but was in the business of finding people that was the people that wanted to follow him and yeah no matter what their background was you know? yeah yeah the most challenging thing as I studied through this was the idea that uh, that Jesus would want me to be in fellowship with people that I adamantly disagree with. Please, no, Lord, please, please, no, no. <laughs> and yet, I think that's what's here. I mean, that's, that's the people he called, uh, which is just fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating. I, I also, totally different subject. I also want to acknowledge, folks, that that Jesus called these 12 2,000 years ago. And, and the day and time and, and just what people knew and their capacities were different than what we know today. Uh, and, and I do think we have to translate, okay, in our context, in our day, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Good. Laura, you got anything for us today? Yeah, I was. <clears throat> I also really appreciated the um, the word for demon and the idea of spreading errors. Like I'm going to be chewing on that for a while. But um, as you were talking about the disciples and the different backgrounds, I was just thinking, like I've been privileged to be a part of lots of small groups that I would say are like that, um, and they have been the best groups ever. Like they have been so enriching when we can get people that really have different backgrounds and cultures and socioeconomic classes and people that don't see eye to eye. Um, and they've been challenging in ways. I used to lead one where I had to mitigate some disagreements sometimes where I'd literally have people like, I'm not going to come to this group anymore if this person comes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yep. And sometimes they're like, I remember one and I was like, why did something happen? She goes, I just don't like her. And I said, well, what'd she do? She didn't do anything. I just don't like her vibe. And I was like, eh. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I guess, you know, you have to decide if you want to keep coming or not. Um, yeah, but yep. but they've been yeah so and they've been just such good um, groups to be a part of and um but it's also been like on the other side of that I think that like because I've seen that 
diversity and, and gotten to experience that, it's been a challenge for me sometimes in finding groups or even finding churches, because unfortunately, I think a lot of them tend to be more homogenous because mm -hmm. that's more comfortable. Um, yeah. And so I've been to plenty of things. I'm like, this feels kind of quickish or like just not very um, diverse or whatever. Um, so it made me think of, I never like watched this show, but there was this show that came out 25 years ago or something. I was young on MTV called The Real World. And it was like the first like reality show, even though I'm sure it was totally scripted, but they would pick all these people from all over the country and put them in a house together and they just live there for a couple months. And they did that. It would be like people that would never get along and stuff. Um, and I think, you know, the point was to make them all fight and hate each other and be dramatic because it was TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it made me think of that, like with the disciples, except I'm sure with less sex and drugs. Um, but just taking people like from all these diverse things and like, okay, now you guys are all going to do life together and make it work. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you know, Laura, what you just made me think of is that there are all these different people, but Ken said he wanted them all. So Jesus wanted all these different people. Mm -hmm. That's weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. He must be different than us. <laughs> well, the kingdom when, of heaven is diverse. Yep. Gene, when you get to module five, of faith walking. We we talk about <laughs> we talk about diversity and we talk about so I I I know uh, a theologian who's written a book uh, and his premise in his book is that God designed diversity even theological diversity and that that's all in God's design. Yes, oh I love that. And so the idea that Jesus would put together a diverse group shouldn't be a surprise. Well, of course, because God made us diverse. Yes. Um, yeah. See, now I have to stick with it. There you go. <laughs> Anybody else want to speak or have a question or comment? For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider donating today at faithwalking.com. Visit our site for more workshops and courses available online. Thank you for listening.